Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Okay, today's episode is all about community. There are actually people right now behind the scenes working really hard to help others in communities where you live. Today we're going to talk about a wonderful organization, a charity that works in the Houston area. They are attackpoverty.org. That's where you can find them. But we're talking today to Brandon Baca, who is the CEO of Attack Poverty. And welcome. It's great to have you here today. Absolutely, Donna. It's great to be on with you. Thank you. Humbled and, and excited to share with you all that's been going on over the last several months. Uh, just briefly, how did this organization start? So in 2011, we uh, got our 501c3 status and we were off. We had a founding board that was excited. And really, it was through a partnership with a local church in Richmond, Texas, Mm -hmm. where the missions pastor at the time um, thought, man, our church needs to get out of the walls, uh, outside the walls of the church and care for our community in a really distinct and deep way. So they made a long-term commitment to a particular area, and they called that Friends of North Richmond. So they got out of their cars, got on the street, started listening, and really, um, this is what we do. We go door-to-door, we listen, and we actually come to realization with the community. We say we're building strategies for the community with the community. We want to listen. We want to understand what the needs are. We ask the question, what's working and what can be even better? In some of the highest concentrations of poverty in our areas, uh, we, we really believe that there are assets that are untapped. We, we come from an asset-based community development model, mm-hmm. and that means that there are assets here. There's capacity that is waiting to be um, unleashed, and so we believe that all the things that a community needs are really right there in the midst of that community. We ask the questions, and we build strategies together with the community to see it transformed over time. So it's not just Houston, it's the surrounding communities, and you feel empowering Mm -hmm. people helps you help the community even more. That's right, that's right. So our vision is to empower people to attack poverty in their life and community. We do that through strengthening under-resourced communities, through spiritual growth, education, revitalization, and basic needs. And so we're in the greater Houston area. We're also... um, the partnerships around the country, but then we also have locations in India, East Asia, and in Africa, in Uganda. So you're totally global. (laughs) And just recently, some of the, uh, I mean, we've had Hurricane Laura hit this area, well, not hit this area, but close close to us, and the pandemic. So it's really busy for you. How did Hurricane Laura, what did you do for that? And I I know these people are, are benefiting from what you're doing for them. You know, um, we are such a um, unique organization in some ways because we're at the street level. We're we're grassroots by nature, mm-hmm. on the streets, in communities. We have resource centers in each community. We build relationships locally. So even before this pandemic, there was Hurricane Harvey in the Houston area that really was a catastrophic event. Yes. And when disaster strikes, it impacts the poor at really deep levels. And so, and we understand that. So we basically, when this pandemic hit and, and kind of took over our area, we were able to pivot 
organizationally, and, and our resource centers turned into distribution points. Harvey really gave us that experience. And Harvey, we've, we've done about eight, a little over 840 projects. And so we, we kind of get disasters. We kind of get crisis. And mm-hmm. we understand meeting people at their point of need. And so each of our resource centers became distribution points because we asked the question, what do you need? What can we do? We had to stop our programming. We couldn't meet in person. Our after-school programs were put on pause. Adult education programs put on pause. And so we said, what do you need? And it was was food, supplies, and even some kits for these activity kits for children, for their families, because it was like the the spring break that never ended, you know? (laughs) We, we partner with lots of different people across the area, and the, the neat thing is is through that, we, we were able to um, increase our partnership with the Houston Food Bank. We, uh, we have lots of great church partnerships like Lakewood Church and, you know, mm-hmm. um, even River Point Church and other large um, mega churches within the city, First Pres Houston. Uh, we were able to I get a hold of some of our corporate partnerships, like, um, you know, some of our engineering firms and oil and gas firms and things like that. They were able to respond with us as well. And it has been nothing short of a fun and organized chaos <laughs> event, as you know, because things early on changed every day they did. for us as they increased. And now we've gotten into a system we've been able to serve. Uh, locally in the greater Houston area, about 133,000 people, about 245,000 people worldwide since the pandemic. And um, we've just been very grateful um, to be able to do that through our partnerships. Started with food supplies, non-perishables, mm-hmm. you know, some things that were perishable that we can get out on that day. We're able to get some PPE and some um, hygiene supplies and put hygiene packs together through our partnerships. And then we our, our kid activity packs, well, that converted over time as we understood the needs. Mm-hmm. And then we, we got um, a lot of, you know, dairy products. We worked with the Farmers to Families wow. program with the USDA, and we're able to get lots of, you know, perishable items to families very quickly. It, it just kept evolving, and now we offer financial assistance. We were able to, through um, some local foundations, the, the George Foundation and the Greater Houston Community Foundation, we were able to supply financial assistance to about 500 families. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, and those families, yeah. there's a lot of kids in those families. So, you know, you're talking Absolutely. about five, six, eight, if grandma and grandpa are there with them, and they're taking care of them <laughs> and aunts and uncles. So it's, it's, have you had yeah. something happen recently where, you know, a couple of clients or a couple of sponsors rather have really stepped up and helped you, um, especially? You know, um, I, I want to just back up a minute and talk about families and, you know, families living together and what this event has done because it really did um, impact the entire family. And some families who live near each other recognize, hey, we can't, you know, because we're highly vulnerable, we have either medical issues or we're in that vulnerability bracket that says, hey, you need to Mm -hmm. stay at home. So we have we had actually volunteers delivering resources to families at their home. They would call in. We would identify their needs and deliver that directly to their home. And so what a you know deal. Can you imagine 
and we had neighbors helping neighbors. We would have one lady in particular, she would come and she would pack her car full of groceries and take it to her elderly neighbors um, in her apartment complex, about 15 different homes. And so we were just really grateful. I mean, people were walking up with, um, with homeless individuals walking up with, Mm. um, you know, baskets and, and, you know, we had families, whole families walking together with their children, with their strollers, um, coming to get food at walk up, drive up, however, to try to um, get the um, items that they needed. So, we were just, you know, really um, grateful to be in a position at the community level mm-hmm. in order to do that. So we were able to keep our crowds small right. um, and quickly mobilize and uh, disseminate goods, mm-hmm. supplies, and what was needed for the families to, to really make it. And people were losing their jobs. They were um, say, close yeah. to being evicted out of their homes. And so that was where the financial assistance came from. And we were just really grateful to be able to, um, you know, work with different foundations and groups to offer that financial assistance so that families could stay in their homes with them. So that's been really um, a powerful, powerful thing to see. So your day typically, it, it must be on the ground running. We're moving in a lot of directions, absolutely. And <laughs> as you can imagine by hearing those numbers, but we have such a great team. What we say culturally here, we pursue excellence and we put people first. And we want to have fun doing it, but we want it to be, um, we want to keep excellence at the forefront of what we're doing. And we want to make sure that, you know, we all understand that people matter. People matter more than stuff. People matter more than processes and programs. We want to make sure our community is whole and healthy and well. And so recently school started. And right. I'm like, what are we going to do with that? And so we're I I, continuing to identify these needs, as you can imagine. Yeah. In our under-resourced communities, access is key. In some of our schools, there's there's um, – the parent involvement is is um, not as high, particularly because great parents are working very hard to sustain their family income. And so they have multiple jobs or they're single um, parents or trying to sustain livelihood for their children. And, and so we have to come alongside these families. So we've reached out and we've gotten technology, but technology is a huge need when you're considering virtual education environment. This week alone in HISD, um, kids go back to school, it's all virtual, and right in the middle of the day, the um, technology, there's a technology breakdown, the system just shut down. Mm. And on top of that, some of what's being supplied um, not on the fault of the school systems, but what is needed for a family to really utilize that technology in the best ways for education for their children. It requires um, good bandwidth and internet and mm-hmm. and a good machine to use. And so used machines or or machines that are several years old mm-hmm. are not going to cut the, you know, aren't going to cut it for this current technology that's being used for the classroom virtually. So we were able to help at least 55 families have a piece of equipment that would allow their student to get online and on the virtual platform as well as act as a hotspot and provide internet for up to a year. So then 10 different devices could attach to that hotspot. 
um, and provide that internet service because all, a lot of our families are used to going to public libraries who are, that are closed currently or mm-hmm. or public environments where internet was more accessible. And so when that's not available, we needed to try and bring the internet to the house. So we were able to do that and we're excited to see that happen. How can you even plan ahead for something like this? Because there are so many unknowns. That's what we, we just try to take a step at a time. We try to be as proactive as possible mm-hmm. and within an ever-changing environment. And this What we're learning is no one's written a book on a pandemic in the United States of America or around the world. It takes a lot of collaboration. We've had lots of partnerships come together. We're working with our city and county structures to make sure that we're engaged with that um, planning so that we're in the know, but we're also providing um, next step resources as we learn uh, what those needs are. And thankfully for the Houston area, um, particularly Hurricane Laura did take a turn. And, um, but the unfortunate thing, it did hit our friends in Lake Charles and Mm -hmm. in Louisiana. So what we've been doing is, it's been almost four years of support. We had groups from almost every state in the country come and, and serve alongside of our efforts to repair and rebuild people's homes after Hurricane Harvey. And we just thought, how could we accept that kind of help and not extend mm-hmm. um, support to our neighbors? And so we mobilized, and within um, a short period of time, within a matter of days, we've now sent... 92 feet of truck space full of supplies to our friends in Louisiana. We've had at least two teams go and serve um, in a large capacity. And I just got done with a meeting with our team today. We're going to be mobilizing teams and resources and coordinating with our on the ground partners like the Cajun Navy, like the United Way, like mm-hmm. the the disaster Baptist groups that are there, the National Samaritans First and those. We're coordinating with them on the ground in order to make sure that we're not getting in the way, we're not hurting the process, mm-hmm. but that we're supporting that recovery process with our friends because we just felt like that's the right thing to do. Do you feel like since Harvey and Laura, you're better prepared to help communities that really need your help. Yeah. So one thing that we've done is um, we've been very fortunate to be able to put together what we call the Attack Poverty Disaster Recovery Team. We have four Mm -hmm. full-time staff currently that are equipped. You know, we leave the initial work to the emergency responders, the, the first line responders go Mm -hmm. in and they do their job and they do very well and so we come behind them and support their recovery efforts so that's our job is to understand what those needs are so that we can um, be a part of the long-term recovery efforts that are coming up whether it's rebuilding or there's infrastructure needs and things like that so whether it's elevating a home or rebuilding or a roof project or, um, you know, some some sort of infrastructure needs within the city, we can be a part of that in coordinating those efforts so people have the information they need so that it's done in a collaborative way that best lifts the entire area. Is this something you've always wanted to do, bringing a community together under really rough circumstances, poverty, disasters, what have you? What I can tell you is that for me, I've always had a heart to serve. And I've found that it's best when we do it together. 
when we do it alone, we do, we're Lone Ranger, we miss opportunities to actually accentuate all of our gifts, to increase our capacity for greater impact. Um, so doing things together, collaborating with one another is the best. And, you know, I grew up um, playing baseball in the back of this neighborhood that's considered the highest concentration of poverty in our area. And when I found out um, that there was this effort to really see this community transform and the poor and the marginalized be cared for in really distinct and um, important ways, I thought, man, I want to be a part of that. My heart just exploded in the side of my chest. You know, I just thought, man, I got to be a part of it. Um, and it's a place where I grew up is where we started. And so it excites me to see um, communities coming together to care for the poor and the marginalized. Um, because it's really we, we can't forget we can't forget there are communities of color communities of concern it, where we need to be concerned mm-hmm. about um, access and what is available so that there's equitable um, access for everyone it, it's really exciting to see um, possibilities we named our after school program on it you can academy because we kept hearing kids say i can't I can't. And we just want, we're showing up in your life going, you can, we believe in you. You can do it. Actually, you can do all things. You have the perfect, I don't even think you call it a job. I think it's just a vocation for you. No, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's a calling is how I look right. at it, you know, and, and even when we hire people that we don't look at um, skill sets first with our, with new people that come on our, our team, we ask, are you called to this work and do you have the character to, to commit to it? And so we look at calling and character and then once we can see that you're a good fit, then we say, okay, what skill sets do you have to provide the mission? Let's go, you know? <laughs> so it's fun doing it. Absolutely. Oh, that's the way to get it. Teamwork is so important. There's not two ways. Now, if someone is listening to this and they feel like they do need help, where would they go? What would be the first thing? I know in some cases, one may not have the, the, the internet and so on, but mm-hmm. if they needed to get in touch with your organization, attackpoverty.org, sure. how would they do that? You just said one of the things there, attackpoverty.org is a great online deal. We have a, our office. You can call us directly at 832-847-4379. We, our headquartered office is in Stafford, Texas. It's easy to get to right off 59 in Houston area. You know, we have staff coordinated all over the place, and we, we would love to get connected with you i mean one in about one in three kids in the u.s live in poverty you know there's about 46 million people in the u.s that live below the poverty line and so this isn't like you know just a few people in 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 that poor sub part of town Mm -hmm. this is really a a pretty large issue and then at some point we began to see through COVID the unemployment rate increase, increase, increase over time. Thank God for stimulus packages and things like that mm-hmm. to keep people whole. And yet we're going to see a wave of um, needs pop up and we're going to have to help people get back on their feet. And so we could use your help. We could use it because we, we're helping equip people to be prepared for um, the job, provide skill assessment, help people get their GED, learn English, um, develop computer skills, um, help children understand what it takes educationally to get to that next level and believe that they can do 
um, all the things that they're been created to do. Um, and it's exciting to see when some of our kids graduate college, you know, we're just, we're just mm-hmm. excited about that. Um, because they, they, there was one point in their life they believed they couldn't. So yeah, come on, get involved, volunteer with us. You can email us at info at attackpoverty.org. You can give us a call at that number, or you can visit us online at attackpoverty.org. Um, we're no stranger to volunteers. We say we're staff-led, but volunteer-run. And what that means is we have about 4,000 volunteers a year that serve with us in some capacity. So we, we can we can host you. You know, We'd love for you to volunteer with us. Thank you, Brandon Baca, uh, the CEO of attackpoverty.org, helping the community, empowering people. I appreciate what you're doing, and I, I know the people that are working with you appreciate it, too, and, and the many folks that are getting your help. Inspiring, Brandon. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, and we appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of our story today and what, what's happening um, through our organization. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Thanks for tuning in.